Good morning, church. It's time to read from the Word of God, and um, the text from which we will read today is taken from the Gospel according to St. Luke and chapter 1. So if you may turn your Bibles to Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, I will read from verse 67 all through verse 80. Luke 1, 67 to 80. Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Blessed is the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and provided redemption for his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, just as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, in ancient times, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of those who ate us. He has dealt mercifully with our fathers and remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham. He has given us the privilege since we have been rescued from the ends of our enemies to serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness, in his presence all our days. Verse 76. And you, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people knowledge of salvation, through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of our God's merciful compassion, the dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. The child grew up and became spiritually strong, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. May the Lord bless the reading of his words and interpret it to our hearts through his servant. Amen. Today's message is entitled Faith, a Song of Zechariah. And the big idea that we're gonna put that we're gonna unpack today is that faith is a gift. Faith is a gift. So last week, Mary, we looked about we looked at the theme of trust, and this week we're looking at faith. Now, uh, a non-seminary degreed person, uh, why don't you give me, can anybody tell me what faith is? Just call it out. Trusting in something you can't see. Anybody else? Is that what you were going to say, Kevin? Something like that. Laura kind of cheated because she's married to someone who went to seminary, but, you know, uh, anybody else have a definition for faith? Trusting in something you can't see? Believing in God for your life? Absolutely. Believing without seeing. Okay. Now, one of my favorite definitions of faith actually comes from Scripture, and maybe you've heard this verse before, Hebrews 11.1, 1, right? Uh, now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. Let me say it again, Hebrews 1, 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. What we see 
in Zechariah's story. Zechariah is the father of John the Baptist. John the Baptist is going to be the forerunner or the proclaimer or the preparer of the way for Jesus. Y'all know if you read on in the Gospels, John the Baptist is the one who baptizes Jesus. John is, is this a kind of crazy man who prepares the way for Jesus out of the wilderness. And it's crazy that the, in, the, in the Christmas story, and this should build our faith, God shows up in the most unlikely of places and uses uh, not only his son, Jesus, but, but uses uh, people in the most unlikely of circumstances for his glory to build our faith. And you see, we talked, about, we talked about Mary last week, and we talked about a humble manger in Bethlehem and how that's not necessarily the place you would, you would, you would think that the Savior of the world, the Messiah, would come from. Well, think about this, like you wouldn't think that the person who prepared the way for Jesus's public ministry was this man in the wilderness, not in the city, in the wilderness. In fact, they came to him. He, he went to the region surrounding the city. He didn't go into the city centers. They came to him in the most unlikely place. You would think if God was going to do something, he would show up to the most powerful city, whether it be Nineveh or Jerusalem or one of those cities in the region and do it there, right? Alexandria, Egypt, one of those powerful cities in that time. But what he does through John the Baptist is he takes a, a boy in the wilderness and prepares the way of the Lord. So we have two points this week. Y'all are rescued. I think last week we had five or six. Uh, so this week it's only two. That doesn't mean the sermon's going to be shorter, but we have two. So uh, we're going to unpack how faith is a gift. And the first thing that we see in verses 67 through 75 is fulfilling faith is a gift. The fulfillment of faith is a gift. It's a gift. It's, it's a gift for you and me. God shows up in miraculous ways. And what we see is Zechariah, when the angel appeared to him, Zechariah's a priest, and he's going in, he's attending to the altar. And as he's doing that, an angel shows up, and the angel says, you're, you're about to, your, your wife Elizabeth is going to be with child. And Zechariah's response was not to trust. His response was likely what all of our responses would be. Was, would be to question. And so, um, and so uh, Zachariah's response was like, how can this be? We're old and my wife, has, we don't have kids. And, and what does God do? God shuts up Zachariah. If you read earlier on in the Gospel of Luke, he makes him go mute. And Zachariah doesn't, uh, that position that he's in doesn't change until let's read right before where we started. And they're kind of like, Elizabeth has now given birth to John. They're kind of debating over what to name the child. Some people, since Zachariah is not able to talk, some people are like, just name him after his dad, Zachariah. And Elizabeth keeps saying, no, it's John, because that's what the angel told them to name their son. And so we see in verse 62 of chapter one, so they motioned to his father to find out what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and he wrote, his name is John. And they were all amazed. And immediately, think about, put yourself in this moment. There's this person who's gone mute, like who hasn't been able to speak. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue was set free. 
and he began to speak, praising God. That's, a, that's an amazing verse. Immediately, his mouth was open and his tongue was set free. And what was his response to being able to speak? He immediately began to praise God. Fear came upon all those who were around them, and all these things were being talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard about him took it to heart, saying, What then will this child become? For indeed the Lord's hand was with him. So these people are now like, something crazy, something miraculous has happened. We've been waiting for this long, like, promised Messiah. And they thought this Messiah was going to be like Judas Maccabees or the Hasmoneans and, and take back political power for them. But, but this Messiah wasn't coming to take back political power from them. This Messiah was coming. And you know what? The functions and powers of the church of, of the world were actually going to rest upon his shoulder. And he wasn't, and he, and he was going to use all the evil things that were taking place to bring glory to, to God and his people to provide a way for salvation. You see, and then immediately Zechariah, his response is to sing out a song of prophecy. And uh, so this is a little bit different from Mary's song. Mary's song had some prophetic elements, but we're specifically told here that Zechariah's song is, is a prophecy. And so he sings out, and this is one verse in the Greek. We, we separate it into multiple verses, but this is one long verse in the original Greek language. He says in verse 68, blessed is the Lord. Y'all see some of the similarities if you look back to Mary's song. Uh, Mary opened it up, my soul praises, right? My soul magnifies the Lord. Zechariah says, blessed. The word there for blessed is eulogetos. It's the word we get eulogy from. It's, it's, and that's what we do when someone passes away. We speak well of them. We speak blessings of them. Blessed is the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and provided redemption for his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation. A horn was a symbol of power. A horn on a bull is, it, it, it's, a, it's powerful, right? A horn declared uh, the battle was, was coming. A horn declared that the battle was won. He's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. So Zechariah is declaring right now in this moment, Zechariah's son, John, was not a member of the house of David. So Zechariah's prophecy here is not about his son. His prophecy here is about the one whom his son will proclaim. And so what we see here is he'll raise up a horn of salvation in the house of David, just as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets in ancient times. Verse 70, just as he had spoken, right, through his prophets in ancient times. Y'all ever read the book of Isaiah? Isaiah says, uh, Isaiah the prophet says a whole lot about the coming Messiah, the coming king. In fact, some people, some theologians have actually commented that Isaiah is like the fifth gospel because it talks so much about the coming king and the coming savior. I, I'll share a few verses out of that. Isaiah 7 verse 14, y'all have heard this verse before. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign and behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and you shall call his name what? Emmanuel. And Matthew adds that Emmanuel means God with us. Then Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 through 7, 
For unto us a child is born, uh, unto us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the, uh, the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish and uphold it with justice and righteousness forevermore. Isaiah chapter 11, beginning in verse 1, and there shall be, there shall be come forth from the from the shoot uh, the from a shoot from the stump of Jesse a branch and from its roots it shall bear fruit and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding counsel and might spirit of knowledge and the full and the and the and the fear of the Lord and then going down to verse ten in that day the root of Jesse whom whom we despise. Uh, or who who will stand as a signal for all the peoples of him the nation shall inquire and his resting place shall be glorious. Jesse is is what is David's what grandfather right? So a root from the stump of Jesse uh, is 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 referring to Jesus, and we see in Isaiah chapter fifty three for right he was wounded for our transgressions, pierced for our iniquity. Upon, the chast- upon him was the chastisement of our peace, and by his stripes, by his wounds, we are healed. Furthermore, other Old Testament prophets, Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 5 said, I will, ra- I will raise up a branch from the, uh, I will raise up a righteous branch from the line of David. Micah chapter 5, verse 2 says, Bethlehem Ephrathah, Ephrathah is the region that the, that Bethlehem is in. Bethlehem, Ephrathah, you are small among the clans of Judah, but one will come from you who will be ruler over Israel. For me, his origin is from antiquity, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she will she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of the rulers of the brother will return to the people of Israel. He will stand and shepherd them in the strength of the Lord and the majestic name of the Lord is God and they will live securely. And then his greatness will extend to the ends of the earth. And it ends with this phrase. And then he will be their peace. You know the old song, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. It's a lie. It won't begin with you. It can't begin with you. The only way we can show peace to those who are around us is by submitting our lives to the one who brings peace. None of these prophecies were about an earthly kingdom. How do we know it? How do we know that that's true? Have you turned on the TV lately? Do you know what's happening in Israel and Gaza and all that? Turn on the TV, you clearly see none of this was about an earthly kingdom. The peace wasn't even peace in this lifetime. The peace was the eternal peace of salvation, of security. Because terrorists and enemies and criticism and the one enemy, Satan, what they can't take away from us who are followers of Jesus is that peace that we have. That peace that surpasses all understanding. And what Zechariah is singing about here, what he's prophesying about here is this fulfilling faith as a gift. Let's continue to read verse 71. Salvation from our enemies and from the hands of those who hate us. He dealt mercifully with our fathers 
and remembered his holy covenant. Through Jesus, who was uh, about to be born in chapter 2, that's how chapter 2 opens up. We're going to get to that next week. Jesus, who's about to be born, all the promises of God are now being fulfilled. What did, what did God covenant with Abraham? Not Abraham. What did God covenant with David? He says, of your house and your kingdom, it will door, endure forever before me and your throne will be established forevermore. This oath that you swore, this holy covenant, and also the oaths that he swore through Father Abraham, Genesis chapter 12 and 17, he has given us the privilege. And since we have been rescued from the hands of our enemies to serve without fear in his holiness and righteousness and in the presence of all our days, fulfilling faith is a gift. We, faith is fulfilled in our sight, to give us encouragement and power to live out what God has called us to live. What we see, and you go all the way to the end of the Bible in Revelation, you see, actually, I wanted to preach a, a Christmas uh, sermon this year on Revelation chapter 12, which uh, I think is the Christmas story in the book of Revelation. Not going to get a chance to do that because I was sick one of those weeks, and we had to kind of maneuver around. But I'll share a little bit about that today. What we see in Revelation chapter 12 is a picture of how the birth of Jesus frees God's people to live in the promises and with the faith that he has called them to live with. Listen to these verses, Revelation chapter 12, verses 10 through 12. It says, Then I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Salvation and power in the, in the kingdom of God and the authority of Christ has now come. And earlier on, in that passage, it talks about the virgin, about the woman who was in birth and how the dragon was coming after that woman. And then what it says, because the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before God day and night has been thrown down. The incarnation, the birth of Jesus is so important because it leads us to the death, burial, and resurrection of that baby born in Bethlehem. When he cried out on, the, on a sinner's cross, it is finished, it was done for all time. There was no, any future battles that would be waged were already won on the, on, on the cross at Calvary 2,000 years ago. And what it says here in Revelation, and this talk about God's people, and they conquered him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Y'all need to hear that again. We have conquered the enemy by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony because they did not love their lives to the point of death. This is talking about people who laid their lives down, who were martyred for the good news of Jesus. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and those who dwell in with them. Woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has now come down to you with great fury. Y'all, we know the devil's here right now, right? The enemy, and now he's not everywhere, but he is the cause of a lot of things happening. But I love, it says, he's come down to you now in great fury. And I love this phrase, because he knows his time is short. Y'all, the enemy's time is short. It's, it's numbered. It's numbered. And then one day, that trumpet sound, right? Rider on the white horse, coming back for you and for me. This is the, the war that we get to celebrate that's already over. It's already accomplished. It's already done. 
fulfilling of our faith, the fulfillment of our faith, it's a gift. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. So let's go to our last point. Fulfilling faith is a gift, but also functioning faith is a gift. Faith was given to us so that we can do something with it. We have faith, so it's by grace that you've been saved through faith, and this gift is not of yourself, right? And we don't accomplish it by what we do, by works, because God don't, wants no one to boast. But then it says, Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, but we are his workmanship. And that word in the Greek means masterpiece. We are his workmanship. Y'all need to tell yourself that next time you look in the mirror and you think you're worthless. Scripture says that you're his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared long in advance for us to do. You're here today, you have breath in your lungs because God has a plan for you. What Elijah was talking about at the very beginning today, about God working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, right? God has a plan for you. God has a plan for the tellers back in Georgia, no matter what period of life that may be. God has a plan for you and for me. We have breath in our lungs because we have faith that needs to function. And so what we see here is that the tense changes. <laughs> Funny thing about the tense in the Greek, in the, in the very first, uh, that long sentence in the Greek I talked about, which is that whole part I just, I just read to us, the tense there in the Greek is in the past tense. Y'all get this. When Zechariah is crying out that prophetic prayer of praise, it's a cry that that has now already been accomplished through the baby that causes, caused his own son to leap in his wife's womb. That all of history has been accomplished now through this baby who is about to be born to a virgin in Bethlehem, this immaculate conception, this immaculate birth. We talked about this last week. We're going to get to Mary again next week and the shepherds and the whole Christmas story. But we don't give Mary enough faith and credit. We don't give Elizabeth enough faith and credit. Heck, we don't give Zachariah enough faith and credit in the Christmas story. Like we look at, at some of our, you know, uh, some of the other people in our city and they, they raise Mary to a level of like being worshiped like she was God. But we, on the flip side, we ignore some of these other characters in the story. And we don't see the heroes that they are in God's great grand narrative that he's writing. Mary is as great in the kingdom of God as, as Paul and Peter and some of these, these heroes of the New Testament. She bore the king of kings in her womb. And her, her, her relatives, uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth and their, their very son, John, these are important characters in the Christmas story because they prepared the way for you and me to be here today and to put our faith into practice. We get to see that they wrestled with their faith. We get to see that Zechariah questioned his own faith, but then Zechariah got to see with his very own eyes, his faith fulfilled and to now see his faith functioning. And he declares to his son, the tense now changes from the past to a, 
a, a future tense here. Now he talks to his son. He's going away from talking about the one whom his son is going to proclaim. Now he speaks directly to his son. Look, fathers, look at the way he speaks to his son here. There are many things that we can model. It says, and you, child, will be called, son, will be called a prophet of the Most High. Now, what do prophets do? Sometimes we think prophets uh, predict the future. In Scripture, about 90% of prophecy just reminds Israel about God's promises. Prophets declare the word of the Lord, and in the midst of that, we hear where God is taking us. And what we see is, son, you will be a prophet of the Most High. And, and, and what does it say in the, in the very in the end of that verse? And you will go before the Lord, what? To prepare the way, to prepare his ways. Most of us want to hear that we're going to be the Lord, that we're going to be the hero, that we are going to be the one that all the attention is going to be brought to. John's purpose was to prepare the way for the one who is to come. The one who, when they're asking him, hey, are you the Messiah? He's like, no, one's coming who's, who's very strings of his sandals. I'm not worthy to untie, right? And he says, he'll baptize you with what? With fire and the spirit, right? Like, I can only baptize you with water, but spirit and fire is coming. We see the book of Acts, right? The spirit descends upon the church, and it says that he will give knowledge to the people of salvation. So that's what, what, what Zechariah is declaring over his son, that you are going to give knowledge to the people for the salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. John wasn't going to forgive sins, but he was going to point people to the, to the one, only one, who could forgive sins. That's what we see. Right? I, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but by me. There's no other way to God but by Jesus. And John's role was to point anyone who would hear towards that truth. Because, our, but because of our God's merciful compassion, the dawn from on high will visit us. The dawn from on high will visit us. I, you know, there, there's a, you know, it, did you ever see the Batman movies where they say the, the night is darkest right before the dawn? It's not scripture, but there's truth in that. Our world is, was dwelling in deep darkness until the dawn of the light of Christ. Until the star appeared over Bethlehem reflecting the child who was born of a virgin, fulfilling Numbers chapter 24, verse 17, and a star will come from Jacob, and a scepter will arise from Israel. I encourage you, read the Old Testament. When people question that, is Jesus real? Is Jesus God? Like, did Jesus claim these things? All these, read the stinking Old Testament, and you will see there is no other person who could fulfill all of these prophecies but this baby born 2,000 years ago in a humble estate in Bethlehem. Because of God's merciful compassion, the dawn from on high will visit us. And I can tell you, I'll tell you today that the dawn on high has visited us. And his name is Jesus, to shine on those who live in darkness in the shadow of death, to guide our feet, what? Into the way of peace. Peace can only be found in Jesus Christ. That's why Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2 says, The people have walked in darkness, but they have seen 
a great light. Furthermore, John writes in chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, in him, in this baby born in Bethlehem, and this word become flesh, in him was life, and this life was the light of man, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is when our faith gets put into practice. Our faith is put into practice that even when we're in the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil, right? Because he guides us, his rod and his staff, like comfort and guide us. We depend upon the king of kings. Y'all, faith is not easy. Faith doesn't mean that you won't doubt. You know, uh, I just uh, I just finished reading the story of Job and like, you know, Job has faith. There's also faith mixed with complaining and doubt. You read the book, the, the book of Psalms. We started in Psalms in the sermon series. You look at Psalms, the majority of the Psalms were lamenting. The difference between a lament and a complaint is a lament means that you trust the God who holds all things in his hands. God doesn't, God's not afraid to hear our fears. He wants to hear our fears because then what does he, what does he say? Fear not. I'm with you. And that's where faith is. Faith is when we take our darkness to the one who lights it up. Darkness is darkness because of the absence of light. But when light shows up, darkness flees. You ever been in a room like this was in the 90s? Like this, so this is pre like youth pastors couldn't get away with this nowadays, Elijah. But my youth pastor back in the day, we used to turn out all the lights. Y'all gonna hear this, you're gonna cringe, you know. But this is maybe innocent. Well, the 90s weren't innocent, right? But like our youth pastor would turn out the lights in the room and we would pray as a group. We'd go in a circle. We'd break a glow stick. This is very 1990s, you know, break a glow stick. And we'd say, Lord, we live in a dark world and we know that you bring light. Let's pray. We break the glow stick and that one little glow stick lit that room up where you could see the people you were praying with. You ever been in a very dark place and one little light flickers? Darkness can't survive light. The light of the world has come, and his name is Jesus. But even in that, we'll conclude here with verse 80. Even in that, we see the child grew up and became spiritually strong. He was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. As we have faith, faith sometimes, actually not sometimes, faith all the time requires that we wait. I hate waiting, right? I know the Tella family, they're from Nigeria, they, uh, which was colonized years ago by, by the British. And I was talking about this, like how the kids have wanted to like open their presents right for Christmas uh, in the American way. And when do we do that? You know, usually the kids beg to open one on Christmas Eve. Y'all ever had kids that beg to open one present on Christmas Eve and then Christmas Day? What is it? And what happens in, in most of the British Empire and uh, their territory, past territory? It's Boxing Day. You got to wait, right? You wait. You know, Christmas is all about being with family, remembering all this. And then you wait for Boxing Day to give charitably. 
to give to one another. We don't like waiting. Tell the kids, y'all like waiting. You're like, we're in the United States of America now, Dad. We don't have to wait. We need to become all things to all people so that, you know, like, you know, none of us like to wait, right? We hate waiting. But waiting is where our faith put to practice. And that's what Advent reminds us about. It means that from the book of Malachi, which the very last word in the Old Testament, I don't know if y'all know the very last word in the Old Testament is a, is a word, curse. Curse is so the last prophet to speak in the Old Testament left them with the last word, which was curse. For 400 years, they waited in silence. Generations waited in silence until God raised up another prophet. A baby held in the hands of his father, Zechariah. John the Baptist's first prophet in 400 years. Zechariah holds this baby, and he sees in this baby all the potential, all that God is and can do. And as that baby's being presented and circumcised as the old covenant required, in the midst of all that, he prophesies and proclaims what that baby will do. What we see here is a few things. We see here that commitment to to the Lord and to his church are important. I saw a stat this last week that said, parents, between now and the time your kids are 18, you have 936 Sundays, 936 gatherings with the local church. You have a limited minute time frame to show your kids a pattern of what it means to follow Jesus with other people. To show your kids a pattern. I remember, hey, my, my own mother. I actually, when I was sick, when I was sick, uh, a, a few that Sunday right after Thanksgiving, I, we, we got COVID at Thanksgiving as our gift. Right? It was my birthday. I got a gift for COVID, you know? It was great. It was awesome. That one. Uh, so, like, I called Abby Yoye up. I was like, last minute, Saturday, Saturday night, I'm like, oh, you got to preach. You know, like, I'm. I'm positive for COVID, Lord, positive for COVID. We had it all week, blah, blah, all this stuff. And I got to watch Fox NFL Sunday. Y'all, Terry, Howie, like, y'all, I love football. And I haven't been able to watch Fox NFL Sunday in forever. I'll, uh, I, that's not why I'm rushing today, you know. Um, I don't want to rush to watch the Saints this year, you know. But, you know, get disappointed every week. But, you know. Have faith. I'm going I'm to withhold right now what I want to say. But, you know, <laughs> I have faith, you know. So, uh, so it was awesome. Like, I was like, man, I get to watch this, you know. But it takes faith to put your faith into practice and lead your kids to prioritize gathering with God's people. Laura and I have talked about this recently. We've, our kids don't like to give or tithe. They don't. Y'all know who the biggest givers are in the church? The biggest givers are the baby boomers and up. Every generation since the greatest generation has given less money to the church. Church, we don't give money just so that pastors can make salaries and all this. We give money so that 
that those can be used so that people will hear about the goodness of Jesus. Y'all know if we don't raise up a, a generation of givers, our own children, we won't have them. We won't have them. Try this, try this. And we've never done this because we're not this cruel, but like try something like this. Give your kids some gifts and say, okay, here's 10 gifts. Why don't you pick one that we can give to somebody else? See if they're willing to do that. We need to teach our kids to function in their faith. Lastly is this. Part of functioning in your faith is believing God's word. We see that the book of Malachi ends, Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. The prophet says, actually there's four, four chapters of Malachi, but it says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way for the Lord. And then what we see, what we see in Malachi chapter 4 is that, let, let me, actually I need to turn there, because I can't find it in my notes. So Malachi chapter 4. We see that it ends with this in verse 5. Look, I am going to send you a prophet, Elijah, before the great terrible day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of their fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. But what do we see happens in Luke chapter 1? Let's go back to Luke chapter 1, when the angel Gabriel appears to Zechariah. In Zechariah chapter, uh, Zechariah, Luke chapter 1, verse 12, when Zechariah saw him, talking about the angel Gabriel, he was overcome with fear, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. His name will be John. And there he will be a joy and a delight for you. And many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and will never drink wine or beer. Meaning he's not going to be controlled by anything else other than God's spirit. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while he's still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of the Lord to their God, and he will go before him. The him is Jesus. He will go before Jesus in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of their fathers to their children and the disobedience of the understanding of the righteousness to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. Y'all, all of God's word is true. Every single stinking promise that's ever been given by God has come to pass and will come to pass and is coming to pass right now here in this very world. Here, as we're living here today, we live in light of the faith that has been fulfilled and the faith that is now functioning through you. And faith is a gift. Think about this year. If you don't have money to buy all the gifts in the world, Heck, our kids aren't getting the biggest gifts in the world like we have in past years. You know what? The best gift we can give you is faith. Best gift we can give you is faith. And you know what? What I mean by that is the observance of our faith 
and pointing the one who is the giver of faith. Let's pray and respond in light of that truth. Lord, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you for the story of John the Baptist. We thank you for the story of his father, Zachariah, and his mother, Elizabeth. Lord, we thank you ultimately for the story into which all of this points to the birth of the baby in Bethlehem. The same baby who 33 years later would be crucified on a sinner's cross for us. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him wouldn't have to perish, but would have everlasting life. Furthermore, the Bible says in Romans 10, verse 13, that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, the name of the Lord Jesus, this baby born in Bethlehem, this man crucified on a cross, this king of kings coming back one day for you and me, everyone who calls upon the name of Jesus, upon the name of the Lord will be saved. God, I pray that there's not a single person in here that leaves today without calling upon your name. God, in the midst of the darkness, may we call upon your name. In the midst of our, our plenty, God, help us to call upon your name. Lord, we know it's by grace through faith that we are saved. And Lord, we thank you for this faith that is the gift that we've all been waiting for. God, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. It's in your name we respond. Amen.